I'm going to um, preach a message this morning, and uh, I hope it's a help to you. It might be a little bit different type of message on a Sunday morning uh, than, uh, than we may be used to. And I think you'll see that as we get into the message here this morning, but I pray that it's a help to help to you. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is one of, of those that Paul is investing his, his life into. Paul could be called Timothy's spiritual father. Now, it wasn't his, his biological father. It's one, though, that was, was uh, investing himself. I think every Christian ought to be investing themselves into somebody else, discipling. Taking what God has given you and investing it into somebody younger. And that's what Paul is doing, and Paul had done. He found men, and he would, he would, he would just give everything he had. Everything he got from the Lord, he wanted to give it to someone else. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? If every Christian took what God had given them and gave it to somebody else. Paul is coming down to the end of his ministry. And he puts down, he pens two letters to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And he's instructing Timothy in helping Timothy to be what, what God wants him to be. This isn't about Paul wanting Timothy to be what Paul wants him to be. This is about Paul helping Timothy be what God desires for Timothy to be. And he's helping, he's instructing. Mentors, I believe, are wonderful in life. I have a couple pastor friends that are older, and, and uh, I like to bounce things off of them. I like their wisdom. I like when they call me just to see how I'm doing and, and ask me where, what I'm reading and what I'm praying about and, and how I'm doing. And, and then I like when they speak into my life and tell me, hey, you ought to consider this or have you done this? I have also friends that are my age or even some pastor friends that are younger, and I just like to hear from older, wiser men what God's given them. And when we look into 1 Timothy here this morning, what we're doing is we are looking into and we are seeing and hearing Paul, an older man of the faith, giving instruction to Timothy. Paul realized this, that one day he is going to be off the scene. The reality is this, every single one of us at one point in our life, we are going to be off the scene. And there's going to be a generation coming behind us that are going to be in leadership. What are we investing? What are we giving them? We're going to take a look here this morning in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, and let's begin reading in verse number 1 this morning. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God had created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Look with me in verse number six, if you would please. If thou put the brethren in remembrance, Paul saying to Timothy, if you'll put the brethren in remembrance of these things, 
thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nurtured, uh, nurtured up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. We find Paul saying to Timothy, the things that I am speaking to you about, these things that I'm mentioning, it is your responsibility. I, I, I challenge you to put these things in remembrance to the brethren. Now, there are a lot of things that, that uh, uh, people have expectations of pastors. You know, those are things, there are things that people, you as a church, want your pastor to do. Obviously, you want to have him there with hospital visits, and, and, and those are things that pastors enjoy doing. I remember there was a time when I was on staff at a church there in Cincinnati, and, and uh, we had an evangelist come in, and, and uh, he was there for the entire week and preached a week-long revival. And there was a lot going on in and, and just the, the daily grind of ministry. And I wasn't pastoring the church there. I was on the pastoral staff, and, and uh, there was just a lot of work. And, and uh, I remember he was leaving. He had one of those, those big uh, 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 buses as he's leaving the parking lot. I looked up, and I waved to him, and I thought to myself, wouldn't that be so nice? You come in, you preach, you get a paycheck, and you leave. I didn't know that he was thinking this until later on when I had talked to him on the phone and I told him I was thinking that. He was leaving and he saw me and he said to himself, wouldn't it be nice to be able to preach and actually stay and get to know the people at the church instead of leaving every week? It's funny, he's thinking it would be nice to stay. I'm thinking it would be nice to go. It was only a few years after that that the Lord began to impress my heart to, to pastor and I prayed, and that was a, a year-long decision that I was working in my heart and just really battling because I loved doing what I was doing where I was doing it. But the Lord was putting something deeper inside of me. There is something about getting and preaching and then working with the lives of people in your church. There is something about helping people along their, their path. Somebody looks at the, the stresses and the, the aggravations, maybe if you would use that word, that the pastor goes through. And the reality is this, if you're not called, if you're not called and God hasn't called you to that, there's no way you could handle the stresses and the pressures. Look around this morning, every single person in this room has a different opinion about something. But God places it and God calls specific men to the ministry of Pat, the pastorate. I want you to look with me, if you would, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter thir uh, 34 this morning. Ezekiel chapter number 34. An Old Testament passage I know, in verse number one, the Bible says this of Ezekiel 34, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, he's not talking about the, those that, that were taking care, physically taking care of the, the sheep. He's talking about those pastors, those leaders, those that were supposed to take care of the God's people there in Israel. He says, son of men, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? 
What he's saying is go and preach against those that are supposed to be spiritually feeding the people. They're caring for themselves. Not caring for my people. You eat the fat and you clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. And the Lord is upset with these men. Turn with me to verse number 7. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. He says, shepherds, hear what I'm saying to you. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock become a prey and my flock become meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to, to cease from feeding the flocks. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. Here God is giving the pastors or the shepherds, those that are supposed to, to be feeding his people. He says, I'm angry with you. You've got one requirement, and that is to feed. Make sure the, the sheep hear what I want them to hear. It is the responsibility of the pastor to, to spiritually feed God's people, to give them something. Look with me in the book, the book of uh, Ephesians, if you would, please. Verse number four. Go back to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter number four. In verse number 11, the Bible says there, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so we find here that God, he gives to the church a gift. He gives them pastors. What is the purpose for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ? This is the responsibility of the, the, the pastor that God gives to the church. Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. We find here that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's saying this, there's going to be something that God gives. Every, every church God gives a pastor to. And the purpose of that is so that, that he feeds the flock, he preaches. Do you know the pastor ought to preach against sin? There are some that come to a church and they don't like it when the pastor preaches against sin because he's meddling in their life. The, rea the reality is this, it's the responsibility of the pastor to preach against things that are going to cause the, the church or the, the individuals of the church to go astray. The, the pastor is supposed to edify and encourage. He's supposed to, to help you in your walk with the Lord. He's supposed to encourage you to stay faithful. You know, there are some things, there, the truth is, there are some things that, that are easier for pastors to preach on than others. In a Sunday morning crowd in a church like this, you know, it's easy to preach on salvation. One is the majority of the people here are saved. And you get a whole lot of amens. 
You know, pastors know what to preach on to get amens. And pastors at times try to avoid the, 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 the things he preaches on when you get the, is everyone awake? Is everyone okay? But the reality is this, and God's word tells us this, that a pastor is supposed to, I use it in our term, step on toes. If you attend a church where you're comfortable sinning, you might be in the wrong church. If you attend a church where the, the Holy Spirit of God never convicts and there's no, there's no power, you might be in the wrong place. You know, if we just want to entertain, we could invest in a, in a, in a, in a, in a big Ferris wheel and everyone just ride a Ferris wheel and have a good time at church. But the reality is this, we come to the house of God to be fed spiritually, to be challenged, to grow. My um, kids, they, I don't know if my wife made this up or not, but um, it works in our house. Um, when they have pains, my wife will say, that's just growing pains. So one of their elbows are hurt and their legs are hurt. Jacob had pains for like years and we, my wife just said, oh, those are just growing pains. So now our younger kids, our girls, have heard that so often, they'll come and they'll say, the youngest one will say to them, my, my elbow hurts, I'm having a growing pain, mom. It reminds me, you know, growing hurts, doesn't it? It does. If you're going to grow as a Christian, it's going to cause pain. And the, re the reason why is this, it goes against everything your old nature wants and desires. There's a fight. And God gives the church pastors to take the word of God. Now, it's not me for me to teach and preach my preferences on things. I've got my preference on things. There are things that in my home we do or don't do that maybe in your home you do or don't do. And some of those are just simply preferences. Some things, though, are commands from the Word of God. It's my responsibility not to stand here and tell you what thus saith what Jeremy thinks, but thus saith this is what the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. And Paul here writes to Timothy. I want you to take notice again. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says this. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Do you see that in verse number 6? I want to be a good minister. You know, the things I enjoy, I love just sitting and visiting with people in the hospital. Once when Oscar was on vacation, I said to to the staff and to the office, if any, any hospital visits, any surgeries, anything comes in, give them to me. Oscar's on vacation. He's not going to be able to do those things. And there was days I spent my entire day. I was in, one day I was in four hospitals on four different, on the same day. Some of them I didn't even know where they were. Some of them Siri didn't even know where they were. <laughs> Just a little while, while back, not long ago, just a, a little bit probably before Thanksgiving or so, my wife and I, we were in, in uh, uh, four different hospitals in two different states. 
We went from Monroe, Michigan to Ann Arbor, Michigan to two different hospitals in, in, in Bowling Green, a hospital there and a hospital here in, in Toledo all on the same day. A lot of miles on the car that day. I'd love to do that. The reality is this. If I did that every day, that wouldn't necessarily make me a good pastor. I love spending time and going to lunch with church members. I've got a couple this week. I try every week to, to get with church members and, and just get to lunch and just get to know them, try to get into the homes of our church people. I love doing those things, but the reality is doing those things don't make me a good pastor. Those are things I believe pastors should do. In 1 Timothy chapter number 4, Paul says to Timothy, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister or a good pastor of Jesus Christ. I want to know what God wants me to do. I want my life to matter for something. I believe that God's calling on my life is a divine calling. I believe every church member needs a good minister of Jesus Christ. I believe you deserve that. I believe you need that. I believe that's what God desires for this church. And so we find here, he says, this if you'll do these things. And so when I read that passage of Scripture here, I said to myself, I want to know what that is. Because if Paul says to Timothy, if you do these things, you're a good minister of Jesus Christ, I then want to know what that is because I want to be found faithful. And then that means this, if I'm a good minister of Jesus Christ, the church then is getting what they're supposed to get. So what are those things? And I want to look at those things here this morning. Verse number one, if you'll look with me, the Bible says this, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times... Some shall depart from the faith. Go to verse number six. Again, the Bible says, if thou will put, put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister. And so we find this, that Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you want to be a good minister, put in remembrance. Cause the people to remember. Remember what? First of all, I see back in verse number one that in latter times, there are going to be some that shall depart from the faith. Remember, God speaks of some departing from the faith. He says this, remember, remind the church that as the day of the Lord approaches, there's going to be some that are going to depart from the faith. There's going to be some that are going to walk away from everything they once knew was right. They're going to walk away from their church. They're going to walk away from the Lord. They're going to walk away from their marriages. They're going to walk away from, from what God's told them and called them to do. They're going to walk away. Remember, remind the church that as the day of the Lord approaches, this is going to happen. I believe this, the reason why Paul says to remind the church, it's to put in remembrance in the heart, in the mind of each person here that it can happen and we need to make sure we guard against it. Don't ever get to the place, Christian, where you think you've got it all together. You've got it all figured out. And nothing ever is going to change that. Listen, I have, I have known pastors. I have, as I was preparing for this message, I thought of, of many different pastors that I know that are sitting in jail cells today because they've departed from the faith. 
I know of a man that, 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 that for, for six months had an affair with one of the member, uh, uh, ladies that he was counseling and then, and then ended up having a relationship with a 16-year-old girl in his church and is now sitting in a jail cell because of that. I knew him personally. Several years before that happened, if you would have said to me that was going to happen to that man, I would have told you you were lying. I would have told you there was no way that's going to happen. Matter of fact, if you had said to him that he was going to walk away from the faith, if he was going to, to walk away from the Lord, if he was going to live a life of sin, he would have said to you, there's no way I'd do such a thing. Listen to me, church, as we are starting this new year, and, and again, as I said last week, a new year, there's nothing magical about a new year, but a new year does cause us to evaluate our life and it causes us to look in, 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 and see where we're at. And I want to remind you today, and I want to be a good minister today, and I want to do what Paul said to Timothy, that if you do these things, you're a good minister. And what's the first thing he said? Remind people that in latter days, there are going to be some that are going to walk away from the faith and I want to encourage you today and I want to challenge you today that you must make sure that you are taking a spiritual inventory consistently in your life, consistently in your home, consistently in your relationship with the Lord, making sure that you're not that one that walks away from the faith. It can happen. I know of a pastor that was pastoring in West Virginia. He had to resign his church. He had resigned his church because his wife was addicted to pornography. Now, if you would have said to him or his wife years prior that you were going to walk away from the faith, that, that in, 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 and you're going to fall into sin and, 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 and get rid of everything and leave everything you've ever known, if you would have said that to them, they'd say there's no way that would happen. I know of a pastor today. Matter of fact, he writes me from his jail cell every several months. Just got a letter from him a couple weeks back. Counseling teenage girl in his church. Begin to have a relationship with her. Took her over state lines to to meet her and now will spend the best years of his life his ministry could have been ministry life in jail his wife has divorced him if you would have said to him that he was going to depart from the faith he would have said to you never You see, church, a lot of times I think what happens is we take our relationship with the Lord for granted. There's not a person in this room that's above sin. I don't care how strong you think your marriage is today. If you don't remember, if you don't put a priority on spiritual things, if you don't put a priority on the Lord, you know how to get closer to your spouse? Get closer to the Lord. I'll see some that'll come in and say, boy, I'm really struggling with my marriage, and they'll give me all the list of things that their spouse is doing wrong. 
And I'll say to them, if your spouse does all of those things right, you are not going to have a better marriage. You'll have a better marriage when your spouses both agree that their relationship with the Lord is the most important thing in their life. The closer I get to the Lord, the better marriage I always have. You know what I find as well that is, is very difficult? You can say amen if you've ever been a parent parenting. You can say amen, unless you've got it all figured out. Boy, one day I think I got it down, and the next day I've realized, boy, I don't know anything. You know how I can become a parent God desires for me to be? Make sure my relationship with God is what it's supposed to be. I've said to my wife several times over the last several years of raising children, I've said, I don't know what each of these individual kids need. And she says, I don't think they know what they need. So what are we going to do? Go to the one that does know what they need. You know, if we were to look, and Paul is saying here, if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, if you want to be a good pastor, remember, remember that God says that in the last days, in the latter days, there's going to be some that are going to depart from the faith. And so I think he's challenging Timothy to make sure you remember that and remind the people that they, they could be one of those ones. You don't have to be one that departs from the faith. You don't have to be one that walks away. You don't have to be one where your, your, your home and your life is wrecked in sin. If you want to, to keep that relationship with the Lord the way it needs to be, you need to be daily reminded why is it so important for us to get into the Word of God because the closer I get to the Lord, the farther I get away from sin. I believe for this, that for the average Christian, it's a gradual thing. I don't set out to, 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 to have an affair. I don't set out to, to, to get an addiction. I don't set out to ruin my home. I don't set out to, to, to leave the faith. I don't, I don't wake up one day and say, this is what I think I'm going to do. I wake up one day and I don't get into the word of God. I don't get in time with the Lord. I, 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 I don't spend time in prayer. And that happens day after day after day after day after day. And that's what causes me one day to depart from the faith. Listen, you need, you need to have a daily walk with God. If the only time you get fed is when you come to church, you're not eating enough. I asked Siri. Anybody ever ask Siri something? I asked Siri a couple weeks ago, Siri, how much should you feed a puppy? I regret having to ask Siri that, but I'd had to. And Siri said, feed the puppy three, three half cups of food every day. So you know what I did? I don't like the thing, so I only fed it one half a cup. No, I fed it three half cups every day, just like Siri told me to. You know what that dog does? It gobbles her food and then runs into our other dog's bowl and eats all of his food. Can't teach the thing to go outside to use the restroom, but it learns on its own to go to the other room to find food. 
It's brilliant. It wants more. It can't get enough. You know, I thought if, if every Christian felt that way about the Word of God, we're going to take the puppy and then our other dog. Or they're the same type of dogs. Both tell us they get to be about 20 pounds. Our bigger dog is about 35 pounds. And the reason why our bigger dog is 35 pounds because we never asked Siri how much he was supposed to eat. <laughs> and I don't know why, but he sits next to me every time we sit down to eat. So he's 15 pounds overweight. And so the dog, the 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 veterinarian tells us, you're feeding him too much. His skin is too tight. I see he just wants to be like his dad. <laughs> Dog likes to eat. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had some Christians that love to eat? I mean, you just couldn't get enough. Not Christians that did what they could to get out of the relation with God without get, get away from Bible reading, get away from their prayer life, but Christians that just can't get enough. Christians that just can't feed enough. You see, there's going to be a time in the latter days, and friend, I believe we are in those latter days. You watch and see what's happening around this world, and you are... You're crazy if you don't think the Lord's not coming soon. Everything is set up for his return. And as everything is setting up for the Lord's return, what's happening to the, to the believer is many of them are departing from the faith. You'd think, you'd think that encouraged people to, to stay the course, but instead what we're finding are people are dropping off. Secondly, I want you to see this. He says this, that, that not, only, not only does the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days uh, uh, some shall depart from the faith, he says this, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We need to remember this, church, that the devil is at work seducing people. Do you know this? The devil's at work here in this church. He is. And he's using things like critical spirits. If you came here this morning for anything other than worshiping the Lord, you're being used by a seducing spirit. There are some, they just want to find fault. Some, they just want to identify what's wrong all the time. Someone said to me one time, I'm not, I'm, I'm not being critical, I'm just being constructive. And I said, great, I'm glad you brought this to my attention, so what are you going to do to fix the problem? I, 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 I can't do that. You know, here we find this, that there is going to be in the last days, there is going to be some, the devil is at work seducing people. He's at work getting, getting a hold of you and keeping you from doing what God desires for you to do. 
Go on with me. I'm running out of time here. I want you to see in verse number two, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Do you ever meet a hypocrite? A hypocrite will tell you everything you're supposed to do while they do everything they're not supposed to do. Hypocrite is so concerned about what you're not doing and their relation to the Lord could be stale and stagnant and they don't see that. They see what you're not doing. And you know what here Paul is saying to, to, to Timothy, in order for you to be a good minister, you've got to put people in remembrance, let them understand that de- the devil is at work. Do you realize this? The devil's not concerned what's happening in the bars. The devil's not concerned what's happening in the casinos. The devil's not concerned what's happening in places where sin is happening. He wants to destroy places like this. There are seducing spirits. You say, are you trying to get spooky on us here? I'm just trying to tell you what Paul said to Timothy. I believe this. The devil has an army, an army of angels that have fallen, and their goal is to get you to get to get this church destroyed. Now they can't take away your salvation. You're engraved in the hand of God. They can't take your salvation away. But what they can do is they can get into your mind. They can get into to messing your thought life up. They can get into you getting critical. They can get into you getting away from the Lord. They can't take your salvation, but they can take your joy. Do you understand this? There is an onslaught of Satan and his army trying to destroy churches just like this. I was with a church member and we were driving, had lunch together, and then he drove me over and showed me a church uh, that uh, they once attended and, and to- took me through the parking lot and said, boy, there's only just a few people left here and probably this year would probably going to be the year that it might have to close up. Right here in Toledo. Do you understand that excites Satan? You know what would cause great joy in that world? The seducing spirit world? It's for this church to stop being a lighthouse in this community and around this world. To get to the members of this church and, and those that are a part of this church to walk away from the faith, to the believe in false doctrine, and, and goes on to say this, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, we're living in a world today where many people, their conscience are seared. Now we look, how many of you saw just this past week uh, that event that happened in Chicago where there's four, four uh, 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 teens were took and kidnapped that, 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 that boy and, and beat him and, and did some just unbelievable things. How many of you would say those four, their conscience are seared? They say they're, they're showing no sign of regret at all. I don't understand how a human being could physically, emotionally hurt someone like that and be okay with it. There's something wrong. But Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he says this, warn the brethren about this. You know what he's warning the brethren? That you can get to the place where your conscience can be seared. You can get to the place where you know what you're supposed to do, and you willingly don't do it, and you're okay with it. 
And we look at things like that, events like that, that happen in the world, but I want to submit this to you. Some of us in our church have not tithed, that have not scripturally tithed in a very long time, and you're okay with it. Your conscience is seared. It's seared. God has commanded you to do something. It's not yours to decide if it's yours to keep. God said, it's mine. I want it. If you keep it, you've robbed me. Yet you go on week after week after week after week and even for some years. And your conscience is seared. Now I know this is the place where you say, salvation messages would be better. I'm not going to be a good minister if I don't warn you. Some of you are so hooked on pornography. And then you'll blame your spouse for the condition your marriage is in. And your conscience is seared. Some would not understand what a day would be like if you didn't gossip. And gossip is still sin. Yet you can do it as a Christian and your conscience is seared. Oh, listen to me, church. Paul says to Timothy, you must put them in remembrance of these things. If you're going to be a good minister, you know, there's a lot of churches that you go to that, that God is great and God is good. But I believe this, as the day of the Lord approaches, there's going to be less and less churches that you can go to where you're going to find where the, the pastor wants to be a good minister and he's going to say, we're going to preach against sin. We don't preach against sin because we're mad. We don't preach against sin because we hate you. We preach against sin because we hate Satan and we hate the effect of sin in your life. And we want our membership to grow closer to the Lord as the day of the Lord approaches. We want to be encouraged. We want to be a, a lighthouse. We want to share the gospel. We want to live holy lives. We want to live separated lives. We don't want to live lives where our conscience is seared. So me, I... My wife and I had this conversation yesterday and I looked in her eyes and I said, I want to fall in love with you deeper and deeper every single day of our marriage. She looked at me and she said, I want the same thing. And I said, then what are we going to do so that happens? Because it doesn't just happen. I mean, you keep adding kids and you keep adding puppies and you keep adding <laughs> stuff into your life. I don't want to wake up one day and say to my wife, who are you? I want to enjoy this journey of marriage that God has put my wife and I together in. I want to enjoy this journey of parenting that God has allowed my wife and I to do. I want to enjoy this journey of pastoring that God has called me to. But I've got to stay close to him. I've got to stay in his word. I've got to realize this, that there is a Satan and there is a, 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 a seducing spirit at work. They want to change everything about my life. They want me to believe false doctrine. They want me to speak lies. They want me to believe and become a hypocrite. They want my conscience to be seared. They want me to play Christian and not be a Christian. 
My time is done. Lastly, and I'll just give you this, he says this, nurtured up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, he says in verse 6. Thirdly, I want you to see this. He, he says you need to remember that we must nourish our own souls. Don't be a dry Christian. Listen to me, Christian. Doctrine does matter. It does matter. You say, you know, we live in a world where it seems that it's so narrow-minded. This is as narrow-minded as we are supposed to be right here. As this book. I believe what it says. I need to be nourished up. You know, every single one of us here, you need to take the responsibility for your own life to be nourished by the Word of God. Listen, I can get close to the Lord, but that's not enough for my wife. My wife's got to get close to the Lord too. She's got to nourish. Boy, I tell you, as a husband, there's nothing more thrilling to see. My wife has her favorite chair. It used to be my favorite chair, but her and the dog took it over, and so now it's their favorite chair. And they walk, I walk into that room, and she's there with her Bible and there with her book that she goes through devotions, and she's having her time with the Lord. When I walk in and I see that, or our kids walk in and see that, it encourages me to know that she is nourishing her soul. Nourish your soul. Paul said to Timothy, if you want to be a good minister, remind the brethren, remind them that in the last days that some are going to depart from the faith. Remind them that Satan's at work and they're seducing spirits. Remind them to nourish their souls so they don't have to walk away from the faith, so they don't have to listen and give in to those seducing spirits. Remind them the most important thing you can do as a child of God is to get into the Word of God. Remind them the most important thing you can do is get on your knees and have a time with the Lord. Remind them that your spiritual life is the most important part of your life. Some of you this year are going to try to get promotions and raises and trying to get up that corporate ladder while that's okay, but not at the risk of your spiritual life declining. The most important thing in your life is to draw closer to the Lord, and you do that by nourishing your spirit.